0: Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And leave us a review so others can find the show, too. Welcome to the first episode in a special series we are running on the podcast, where we are highlighting researchers whose work is supported by the Washington Grain Commission, with funding provided by the Wheat and Barley Growers of Eastern Washington, through an annual assessment levied on grain at the first point of sale. We will be releasing several of these special episodes throughout the year to inform growers about the research that their assessment dollars support. Now please join me in welcoming our first guest in the series, Dr. Mike Pumphrey. Mike is Professor and Orville Vogel Endowed Chair of Spring Wheat Breeding and Genetics at WSU. His breeding program focuses on the development of high-yielding, high-quality, and pest and disease-resistant spring wheat varieties for diverse Washington production environments. His current releases are the most widely planted spring wheats in the Northwest. Breeding goals in his program also include herbicide-tolerant wheat varieties, high-falling numbers, and varieties with specific value-added end-use characteristics. Mike teaches courses in Crop Growth and Development and Advanced Principles in Plant Breeding and Genetics, in addition to broad involvement in WSU extension programs. Hello, Mike. Hi, Drew. So um, your spring wheat program, uh, breeding program, received just under a half million dollars in fiscal year 2024 from the Washington Grain Commission. What does this money allow you to do that wouldn't get done without it?
1: Well, um, you know, it, it basically provides the core support for our entire program. So the growers are, are reinvesting and we really appreciate that support from them. Um, the uh, technically, it's broken down. I, I'm funded on four projects. Um, one is my core spring wheat breeding effort. The second is is basically the same thing, but separated. Uh, to capture our greenhouse and laboratory breeding efforts. Um, And then the third is um, supporting our um, quality lab technician that, that does all the grain quality analysis in the Western wheat quality lab, uh, USDA uh, Western wheat quality lab. And then the fourth is focused on hessian fly, which is a kind of spring wheat specific, you know, focus, although we have expanded that to include winter wheat and barley research as well. So The core staff that that operate those programs are uh, basically about 80% funded by the Grain Commission to carry out that work.
0: Okay. So major uh, contributions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah, You know, the – Federal funding for that kind of long-term sustained program um, is is not all that possible. You know, we, we get federal grants to do specific research projects, you know, to, to, to tackle specific, you know, timely problems. But the 50, 60-year-plus history of spring wheat breeding specifically in this region has been funded and continues to be funded by primarily the Grain
0: Commission. Okay. So speaking of federally funded research, what... Do you have some federally funded research projects currently going on?
1: Uh, yeah, we uh, at Current are um, funded to work in areas of heat and drought tolerance and, and just overall wheat productivity through a national USDA cap grant. Um, so this is a consortium of, of over 20 universities, uh, wheat breeding, where resources in certain areas are pooled so that we have greater resources to develop tools for genotyping and phenotyping and, and uh, you know application of advanced technology. Um, we also have have a, a federally funded NEFA project on grain micronutrients, and so basically trying to breed for more nutritious wheat um, through uh, micronutrient concentration in, and uh, we 're increasingly also um, working through another federally funded project on specific ways of screening heat and drought tolerance using novel methods in, in collaboration with Andres Smirtenko, and uh, in the Institute of Biological Chemistry here at WSU.
0: Okay, so all those topics would have national, maybe international implications, but also quite relevant to... Uh, to Washington,
1: yeah, 2023 is a very good example of of why we need to uh, be vigilant and and uh, maybe more aggressive on breeding for heat and drought tolerance in spring wheat.
0: Yes, it's uh, looking pretty dry out there at this uh, time in June as we record this podcast. Um, how is the spring breeding program going uh, with this near record temperatures and lack of moisture across the state?
1: Um, you know, it's it's been a very interesting year. Uh, growers have experienced this, you know, just the same as the breeding program. Most of our trials are on farmer fields um, where we're doing evaluation, whether it's for the, the core breeding efforts or even some of the federally funded or other funded research. And um, it's been tough. You know, we, we were backed up by... Um, Cold soil moisture, too much rain, you know, early on, and then the, the spigot shut off and the, the furnace kicked on. And so um, everything has been very compressed. So we're we literally taking um, notes and, and making decisions in the breeding program that, we are, that are probably three weeks ahead of schedule. Which is not good. No, um, that you know we need a long you know wet growing season to, to have good spring wheat yields, and so it's it's kind of daunting when we're already looking at taking something like just um, heading notes or flowering notes here in Pullman um, about at least three weeks ahead of schedule, even though we planted what I would consider two to three weeks later than normal.
0: So that would uh, reduce probably the amount of vegetation capable to, of. Say it turns cool and and wet now, you've already probably hurt yield potential a little bit. Yeah,
1: um, absolutely. You know, we we, – most of our locations were getting past the point where, unless the conditions were exceptional, we're not going to see additional tillering. Um, the tillers have already been abandoned or aborted by the plant, um, and so, you know, there's still a, a chance for a, a high quality crop. You know, that finishes strong if we can get some moisture. But, but definitely, we've we're looking at a below average wheat yield or spring wheat yield year.
0: Yeah I th- I think even our winter wheat yields don't aren't going to set any records on the high side this year. No.
1: And th- this is uh this year reminds me a lot of 2015. Um I don't we don't talk about that as one of note necessarily compared to some of the the good years or 2021 when it was really bad for for wheat and spring wheat specifically but but uh you know if 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 we can't get a you know some moisture here over the next three to four weeks, it's going to be a pretty tough spring wheat crop here.
0: So uh, do you have any new varieties coming along?
1: Um, yeah, we uh, we were able to develop a, a new two-gene um, clear-filled soft white spring wheat that was approved for release this spring. Um, its name is Butch CL Plus, and we did a, a you know, Butch. <laughs> you know Butch. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, it, the uh, We were able to do a, a, a good increase on that at, in a winter nursery in Arizona this winter and get quite a bit of grain, and we have— um, quite a bit of acres of foundation seed production going on here this year. Some of it's irrigated, some of it's dry land. I'm afraid that dry land production's... Not going to be optimal, and I'm not afraid. I'm certain the dryland production is not going to be great, but uh, hopefully, between the combination of sites, we'll be able to multiply that quickly and get that into farmers' hands as soon as possible. Um, so that'll be available to seed dealers um, this next
0: planting season. So, so something growers should be watching here this this year. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it you know there's there's been a lot of demand um, you know for several years now. I've been asked when are we going to have a, a good two gene clear-filled soft white spring wheat to help with rotation restrictions and and you know just produ- production in in uh, in uh, in in the system where two gene clear filled winter wheats are actually being sprayed, so that the primary objective here is not to to spray butch CO plus with beyond it's to have something that can tolerate you know the the res- rotation restriction in the soil residual residual
0: yep. yep that's in some of our drier areas where people have used that continuously for a while there there definitely is a residual level out there
1: yeah and and butch is a you know i like it it's a it's a cross between mainly seahawk and ryan parentage it's got a really strong uh, background for disease resistance hessian fly resistance aluminum tolerance um its test weight has been exceptional. Um, yield has been right on par with our best varieties. So it's it's not um, you know in spring wheat as a rotational tool, we need things that fill that that void really well. And I think this one's going to do that.
0: Well, your varieties always come out with excellent quality and and excellent yield potential. That's why they're growing on so many acres. I assume because yeah. the growers recognize that. Um, as we speak, we're about to enter uh, you know another year of budget cuts at the university how 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 do these reductions impact the spring wheat breeding program?
1: well we you know we um it's it's never good getting your your budget cut um but we've been fortunate mainly because of the strong support of the grain commission um you know we were already facing issues of inflation you know um input costs, and so the grain commission did award you know our full ask on on the projects this past cycle um that helps, but you know but certainly on the on the flip side um We've been very fortunate because the varieties we've developed through Grain Commission support have been successful and adopted. Um, the royalty revenue stream that's been you know, coming back to the universities is finally basically looking forward this year starting to pay back. Um, well, it's been paying back. We, we've got a, a beautiful greenhouse facility. But um, we're – We've been approved and are going to be able to use royalty funds to backfill the, the state budget reduction that was was uh, passed on to me this year. So, so we're whole um, and, and that's basically thanks to the growers, um, you know, either directly through checkoff dollars into the commission or indirectly by choosing to plant varieties that, uh, that are giving royalty revenues directly back into the program.
0: And you mentioned royalties and, and the beautiful greenhouse facility. Basically, those royalties for a number of years has been going into picking up the remaining costs of that facility. Yeah, Is that the, correct?
1: Yeah the the you know the royalty genera- or the royalty collection and on WSU varieties technically started in about 2013. Um, we built that greenhouse facility in 2015, and essentially all of the funds um, have been directed at paying for that greenhouse expansion, um, until 2024. Okay. So it's been, it's been over a decade. Um, but we're, uh, we're happy to retire that greenhouse debt and, uh, and, and start putting some of that money directly into the breeding program. Um, for now, like I said, it's, it's to, to help cope with some of these budget cuts, but um, looking forward the next year or two, it, it'll actually help us continue to you know thrive and, and expand.
0: Okay. Again, evidence of the strong support of the growers of Washington to support Certainly. the program and WSU in general. Thank you, Mike. It's uh, good to hear what's going on in the spring wheat breeding program. There are definitely some challenges this year, but uh, I think your program is up to uh, finding answers for these growers um, despite a challenging year like this. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lion. That's L Y O N at WSU.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheatbeat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.
1: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.